July 9, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro show.
for Pedro's show. Happy Friday. John Coltrane started with a lover than being flower with You're Not the Son. We're not. Well, 
I'm not totally man alone because of those Skype engineers in Estonia with their invention for connecting people. I got Dana Schechter from Bend, Oregon. Welcome aboard. <laughs> hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we got to thank right away Andrea Belfi. Because, uh, I mean, he's lived in Berlin now a bunch of years, but that's also where you live. I guess you're, you're... well, let's learn about your journey in music. Dana, please bring the earliest musical memory you have. I have to say the earliest one that I really remember is being a little kid and my mom singing the Beatles song Blackbird to me at night to go to bed. Uh, we have listened to a lot of that kind of era of music in the household, and I guess I had trouble sleeping, so she would sing that song to me. It's like learning how to fly and shit, like waking up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I th Paul McCartney, right? Yeah. Uh, so in this pad, was there musical instruments? Uh, yeah, actually, there was a lot of sound and music. My mom played flute. Um, which was what sort of led me to play flute when I was around nine. Um, also, my stepfather is a sound designer and worked in film, and so and he recorded bands and stuff as well. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of art and music in my so there household. was a flute. There was a. Did you jump on your ma's flute? I think you know. I think actually, <laughs> um, I maybe fiddled around with it a bit, and she said, "Okay, you know." let's get you one and that lasted only a couple of years for me now can i ask you about school you know in those you know grade school and shit were you in or junior high has marching band or the choir or shit like that uh no so flute at nine and then when i guess how old you when you're like 11 or 12 i guess you're in sixth grade so in sixth grade i started playing upright bass um in school and I, you know i was really short i had to stand on a box <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but that was my beginning of bass, and then um, well, how'd that happen? I don't know. I just thought it was cool because I mean, come on. But it was your choice. Cool. No, well, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, I gotta tell you, cool Dana. Boy. The reason I'm on bass is because of D Boone's ma. I mean, that's why I like people talking about their journeys through music because there's there's millions of trippy ways. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, you picked I know it that. yourself. Yeah. You you picked it yourself. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I can imagine for coolest. a little kid, like bass. for me, bass. a bass, a stand-up bass looked like a giant violin without a chin part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, for an 11-year-old, it's a pretty absurd choice. But but I loved it, and I learned how to play with a bow. And, um, Marco. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of those bebop guys, you know, like Paul Chambers and shit, they were bad on fucking Arco, Jimmy Garrison. Yeah. And uh, Okay, it... Talking about Arco, French or German? Me? Well, there's a technique, right? Over the hand or under the hand? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I think at 11, they were like, just try to hold that thing steady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> try to make it not wobble. Don't drop it. Now, now this was probably like the, the, the concert band. This was in the marching band or shit. So, yeah, well, this was in San Francisco, so we didn't have anything like marching band. Or if we did, I was totally unaware of it. I mean, it's yeah, like the middle of the city. You would have been on sousaphone or uh, or the bone. That's a marching band, uh, bass clef stuff. So, right. what about the back back to your pad? What about the first mm -hmm. a record you bought with your own money? Well, I was thinking about this, and I think it's a toss up because honestly, I don't remember if my mom bought it for me or if I bought it. But I know that my first two records were My Sharona by The Knack, a seven inch, which I was super psyched for. 
and then promptly sat on and broke and was really bummed out. Um, and then LP was um, the Saturday Night Fever film soundtrack. Hey, See, I ask about your own money because when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm curious on you know how it goes like that. And what about the first gig you saw? Well, the first gig that um, I, I got to say, my memory of youth is pretty spotty. That's um, okay. But it's a lot from Pedro show. There's no hard questions. There's no yeah, wrong yeah. answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you the first real show that I saw, according to my spotty memory, was Rush. Uh, moving pictures tour in 1982 I guess I was just a little squirt and I went with my sister and uh, amazingly her mom let us go to the cow palace in San Francisco which is yeah, a by huge the airport. Arena, you know it's by the airports where Keith Moon passed out some cat in the crowd took over on drums to save the right. gig <laughs> now <laughs> I, I saw Rush twice about 35 years apart and I conked out at both gigs because it was so you know if you play in trios they always ask you about rush but no one asks you about cream or Jimi hendrix right well, jimmy put it together his experience after seeing cream but they they always ask you about rush or i guess if you're a little new wave the police right oh gosh <laughs> i mean i was such like the classic you know 12 year old like i started going to shows when i was 12 and that was really the beginning of the whole thing but i was totally into classic rock and i was also into stuff like the buzzcocks and the b-52s and the germs but i really kind of turned into this hard rock kid like van halen and scorpions judas priest motorhead we saw all those bands before 1984 which was amazing now to think about you know how much saw judas it. Priest's first gig it was at the oh. whiskey oh. you imagine you're not opening band was gary valentine and the, oh, this shit. trio called he had a little new wave trio and it was now sometimes you'd have the weird kind of mixture of things but uh the, mr halford's voice oh my god incredible <laughs> it was the, what, what was the, maybe you remember this record because i only had one by them sad wings a destiny yeah and there was a song called the ripper yeah that's the song okay that's okay that's yeah. incredible that's the best but and then they opinion. did a joan by i think the next record my buddy tony got it and they did a joan Baez. Diamonds and Rust or some Green Malagese. Yeah, they were doing some covers. Yeah. But, I mean, that guy's voice, Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Okay, so so uh, you got some training in the arena rock. Okay. So a, little, a couple of years of flute, a couple of years. I know, I know you end up a stand-up, uh, I mean, electric bassist. So when was the cha uh, change over from the stand-up to the electric? Well, I started playing when I was 16. And um, I started playing out of... Uh, the memory of a friend who had passed, and that friend was Cliff Burton from Metallica. Ah, good bass man. Amazing, yeah. So after Robert too, I like Robert too, and and then the guy that, that had to quit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know. So yeah, so Cliff was going to give me lessons. He was a friend. Oh, you knew my... this guy. Oh yeah, yeah, for okay, sure. So. Okay. So around, I mean, because this was the Bay Area, the and bus, the, the, the bus squished them, and in Europe, right? Yes, yes. Well, be careful yeah, driving. Tour, be, yeah, be careful driving, or even if you're not the driver, make sure that guy's careful. It's slid yeah, on yeah. ice or something, right? 
Yeah. yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. There's guys like him, and who's the other guy? It's an England band. Steve Harris. Uh, I'm not so much into Steve. the songs and stuff, but he kind of runs the band. Yeah, a, a, a hard. You wouldn't think hard rock is strong with the bass, but it can be. Oh yeah, Steve Harris is an incredible bass player. That guy before, was definitely him and Lemmy were my my sort of. Well, before that, I was going to say uh, Geezer Butler. He even wrote the oh, fucking well, yeah. words, right? That guy was, yeah, I mean, must we even say it? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Cliff had some good things to say about Geezer. Oh, that was his, that was his God. And you know, that Geezer, who's he talk about, right? Jack Bruce. Because right. I tell you, Cream, yeah, see how it all goes around. <laughs> tell <laughs> me about the first gig you did. Oh, no, first tell me your first electric bass. The first show I played? No, the first electric bass that you got. Oh, oh um, the first bass that I had was a Rickenbacker. Oh, like um, Cliff Burton. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that I started playing bass out of Cliff's memory because we were pals. You know, I grew up, my sister and I grew up in the Bay Area thrash metal scene in the 80s. So all those folks were our friends and our, our community. You know, we really had this very strong community of friends and then of course you know metallica blew up and um when cliff was alive you know we used to hang out and drive around in his car and listen to the misfits and listen to sabbath and listen to all this stuff and um <laughs> there's a bass also- player uh jerry right he was playing E and A, E and A, like it was like a two string <clears throat> but he had two six because when you broke one of the strings you could just move over yeah, move up. Yeah, move up five. Yeah. So Cliff was going to give me bass lessons, and he was always like, I know you played it when you were 12, you know, you should get back into it. And I was like, give me lessons, Cliff. And he said, get a bass. And I said, hey, give me lessons, get a bass. So that went around and around. And I didn't get a bass. So, you know, when he when he died, I was like, I'm getting that bass. Getting and I, bass. that same week, I went out and I got a bass. And the first bass that I ever bought is a um, 70s Fender Music Master three quarter scale, which is still the bass that I play today. Yeah, I know That's music the one take on tour, and I love it. I saw pictures. It's kind of modified. It's got a different pickup. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm a little biased. I'm almost going to use prejudice word, but a little mm-hmm. bass centric. <laughs> so That's why yeah. I talk about this stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. The other one's the Stang. The Mustang, that Fender bass. The Mustang. The, yeah, yeah, they the, got the really narrow nuts. The version. Yeah, I kind of checked them out because for gigs I had to move to a smaller one in the late 90s because my hands started to hurt. I record with oh. big ones, though. I, I want to play something from uh, you sent me, be, Another Bee in Flower.
sparks dispels a dull space. As disappearing species spell contrary traits, be fooled not by foal foppery flailing in your face. Gobble not that carrot dangling like a poison bait. As whore shoes sing luck since bulky nags buck. Steely hot feet plant hard against your mother's back. Jacking whack cracks against gravity's lack. So, ether donuts remain there uneaten. Shivering electrons into usefulness even. As dunsley dire ignorami ape part of their plan. Into vacuums vaguely go softened minds, man. A terrible torque disinteresting shared icy dreams. Until... Holy spirits bridge reality with seepy screams. Unkindly dismantling of vibed veil mentality. Landing thwarts away from the last 3D day. Where feigned vaporous sentience blossoms afresh. So undrained scared brains allay any sense unspent. No trails fall behind shocking a granite etched. Weepers and the beloved wonder where we went. Angered, electric ink watches to collate and sketch, thus unto society's song now collectively kept. Given unto the pall, hoped the spawn then to seep, as heard from above and beyond the keep, having departed from this pulsing pond once, and forever eyes look back upon the swirling sound of burning minds scant micrometers away. From the never-ending gift that's charging around, pricking only tuned ears of fine hairs into a gray gaze, crackling that wonder into a bustling phrase like, Who's to prove the illusion from which none shall arouse? Ah, snore, that's so off-core, on we is barely a bore. As stillborn zombies gnaw upon their sores, Never to burden the righteous who know only their reward that rise daily, defying gravity and sailing upon those ghosts of wry scales unweighed by roughened travails, whooping aloud under hanging oceans until that black mountain loads tone against any purpose. Yet red mercury is gold pulled, as does garlic repel, shit shovels of hot dirt up the nose all craved so well, to beg over and again for mouthfuls of cicadas, up to one's elbows in putrefying worms, or imagine instead the gift given by the divine, that lightning sprays willfully from sluice to steps, never a mewling baby but creative men who duly accept, that burgeoning mind play, keys open the maze, unwinds the mystery with preternatural ease, elating those waiting at the end of their praise, for hearing unchained thunder at dawn is the only glee. Tickling ivory light spilling crepuscular from the clouds dapples food dances from one dirt folded within. Bounty from the ground, from the moistest majesty. Hear ye, them drip drops, friends, smelled on the cool breeze, are all special, lit from within. Forget your meat suit, that soul seeks eternity by eschewing ugly sin and even fall alit by kneeling on our crystalline shins, breathe, inhale a cool pause, unroll that angry brow, because the madness there hems that snit fury in, falling from the vault, 
swirling about without a doubt the water electricity and air are all free so should we all forever and eternal be to go make play and breathe
Watt for Pedro show. Started off that chunk of music with, uh, yeah, Wounded Walking, Being Flower. Chris Scroger after that, uh, with the, his poem, The Oily Half of A Devil Abhors Magnetism. Victoria Shen after that with uh, Zero Player Piano, Colin's Game of Life. And then uh, System 20 from the Rabidon project called Parallel Systems. This has got me, along with Annie Cordes, Michael Kaiser, John Schlesinger, Thomas Lale, Patrick Wecklar, and Eric Hardiman. Now, you know, you send in the things, you play with these guys, but not in the same pad. So I never mm-hmm. met any of them. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. Bombus Prendon, after that, sought and betrayed for Without the Things You Need Most from Bob Bucko Jr., uh, Dubuque, Iowa, Sam Lockward from uh, nearby Iowa City, Jerk Party, and finally, Arab Brat, The Coming. Okay, so can you remember the first gig you did with uh, your electric bass? I do. Um, I was uh, 17, and I played at the Hate Street Fair in San Francisco, which was an outdoor, you know, street fair. And we had to play at like 10 in the morning. The band was called the Mud Puppies, which was kind of like a rock and roll band. And I was the bass player. And uh, we played at like, yeah, like 10 in the morning. And that Hate Street Fair was not getting going at 10 in the morning. So it was basically <laughs> like homeless guys and some, you know, street folks checking us out. And they had their dogs and their cats. And they were just sitting on the sidewalk. And our parents were there. <laughs> it was great, though. I was really proud. I was like, look at me. I'm on stage. So you're, uh, what you're saying, it was a success. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, they didn't throw shit. They didn't steal your, take away your, be- you know, Pedro, if a guy knew Black Dog better than you, he could take your thing, you know, take her <laughs> in the backyard and then, like, embarrass you in front of everybody. That was uh, 70s rock and roll etiquette in Pedro. So, fuck that shit. <laughs> George would never give up his drumsticks. Fuck you. No way. Yeah, no way, Jose. So, anyway, uh, how, what happened with Mud Puppies? Did you get to record with them? Uh, yeah, there there was an album that came out. I actually don't own a copy of it, but I can get one. We were really sort of a local band, didn't really do a whole lot outside of, you know, the Bay Area. Um, and I think from there, I kind of got into different stuff. Well, was, getting... was was that record you did with Mud Buppies, your first recording? I guess it was, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. It's, it's fundamental, it's important. It was, and the guys in the band were really great musicians and um, and great friends and remain friends to this day. And um, yeah, we did, a, we did a cover of Highway Star and our organ player, Chris, could just nail that solo. And I remember being like, damn. Um, yeah, and from there, I just sort of... John Lord, stayed, right? Deep Purple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everyone was, that was the high point of the show for sure. Yeah. Songs about cars. I think <laughs> I was reading somewhere, because that bass man, Roger Glover, he wrote a lot of the words and songs, too. And I think the song was written on a dare. Can you write a song, like, on the tour bus right now? And they just came up with that shit. <laughs> and end up one of their big things, right? Wow. It, it's trippy about that. But from Mud, Mud Puppies, where do you go? So, um, I think after that, um, well, I kind of got into working honestly. And I was working for Rough Trade Records in San Francisco in the, the warehouse there. And I was that's where I was exposed to a whole new kind of music that I had really not 
had any access to because, you know, growing up around metal and uh, rock music. And when I started working at Rough Trade Warehouse um, down on 6th Street there, um, I was ex- that's where I got exposed, exposed to like noise rock and experimental and punk. And that's where I first heard. Did, like, uh, Ru- Ruth Schwartz, was she, uh, was that? She was. Yeah. yeah. Then she made yep. more damn after the, you know, Watts memories. Blurry, exactly. Right? <laughs> it, exactly. More damn and alternative tentacles. Were right, like, right, 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 right. Uh, a block away. Right, um, right. So, yeah, so, so what, it, what you're saying is. You don't know about this stuff unless somebody turns you on, especially with the underground, right? Yeah, I mean, the stuff, it's not even that it was underground, it's just that I had never. Well, as far as you're concerned, yeah, it's underground to you. In fact, there was a band up. Do do you remember a band up in the city in those days called Black Humor? I remember that they played because I used to go to the Mab to see punk shows or the on Broadway. Well, they had this one song with the, the chorus, some lady screaming. The only thing new is you finding out about it. <laughs> <laughs> and they would take record covers from soul singers out of the thrift store and then just paint their own name on it. <laughs> Fucked up. But, I mean, it's a mind blow when all you know is arena rock. I, I was, you know, me and D Boone's first gig was T-Rex. I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Because mm-hmm. yeah. then you, you discover this other world and, like, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah, it was exci- really exciting. Like, that's where I discovered Scratch Acid, and I was like, holy shit, and Swans, and David Casper, Casper Brotsman, you know, and like Parauru, Falls, sure. Miss, all that stuff. And some of it I liked more than others, but like, I had no experience with British music like Smiths and The Fall. Like, how would I have ever, I just never came across that. And I was like, that all sort of kind of came in, and, um, so the next band I had was definitely, I think, you know, You're saying there it was were your echoes band. of that. You mean you started a band? I started a band um, called Gift Horse. Oh, yeah, you gave me a track. Now, I didn't mm-hmm. know the chronology, so we're going to hear that sure. uh, later in the in the show, like the third hour. <laughs> so I got to kind of half-ass backwards. Okay, so Gift Horse, you start. Yeah, in 91, I mean, the drummer started it, uh, Jeff Whitehead, and um, we started that band in my bedroom. I lived in the in the Lower Haight in San Francisco, and we got this idea, like, well, we'll just start playing in my bedroom, which, like, what? In the middle of San Francisco. But um, we started this band, and then the upstairs neighbor was this guitar player named Doug Hillsinger, and he played in this band called Bomb. I don't know if you ever saw Bomb, but they were sort of a SF fixture and we were like, man, we want that guy to play guitar with us. He's so good. And then he uh, he came down. He's like, hey, you guys sound pretty good. So we just started playing. And Gift Horse kind of blew up in San Francisco, but none of us had any idea about like what to do. Like, hey, let's find a label. Let's go on tour. None of that stuff happened. And it just kind of very sadly didn't go anywhere. But it, I think it could have if we had... You know, I still like the idea that you were, you were involved with the band being created. It wasn't like like the Mud Puppies where you just joined. Uh, Precisely. So it was, yeah, I think, important in your journey. We're at the end uh, of the first he, hour, July 9, 2021 edition. Watt from Pedro's show. Hold tight for hour two. July 9, 2021. It's the second hour of Watt from Pedro's show.
Pedro Show, start off the second hour. Tectonic from Insect Art. And if you're playing rock and roll in the city, Tectonic, because I think the Tectonic Plates, I mean, it gets sh- it gets shaken down here, too. 400-mile parallel universe, right? Rim of fire. Yeah. And then we had uh, Ben Salter featuring T. Wilds with If I Could, Swing Low, Sweet Dracula from Luca Sabella. Swans, okay, Michael's from up the hill. Uh, there's a hill up from Pedro and his family. Uh, it's called Pals Verdes. Mm-hmm. They disowned him or some shit, but uh, he's from there. So there's kind of a little bit of Pedro connect. And I saw, I think it was called the Cripple IDs or Strict IDs. Or he had, he had a band that played the Second Mass before he went to New York City. So, mm. uh, but yeah. Uh, no, we, we got th- This was some new things. But we got to continue on with this. Uh, Oh, well, you you told me Gift Horse kind of just sputtered out. You guys never toured? We really didn't. I think we maybe played one show, you know, outside the city. Wow. But that was it. It just never occurred to us, you know. There, it's okay. a weird thing. Yeah, it I know. You don't know. Happen. You don't know. It, you know, you got to. That's why it's yeah. in the community is important. People ask me about the old days, and I always said it was about people. I think the new days are about people, too. <laughs> but tell me what happens after Gift Horse with you and your bass. Well, so... Um, at the same time that I was doing that, I was learning computer animation because um, I used to be a painter. Like I went to college to study uh, painting and music composition. I mean, it's not that I like did a whole, um, what do you say? Like uh, I didn't finish and get a degree in painting or in music, but I was just taking some classes. And while I was doing that is I was doing gift horse and I was working in San Francisco and 
I started learning computer animation because I was interested in it. And after a while, you know, I haven't been in San Francisco for so long. I was like, you know, I think I think I'm done with this place for now. I think I was really kind of ambitious and had I, I wanted to start playing and writing songs and have my own band. And I got it in my head that I couldn't do it in San Francisco. So I decided to move to New York City. Um, and so Gift Horse kind of kind of went on and off a little bit. But then when that ended is when I moved to New York City in 1997. And, and, and what's, what's the next thing musically? Well, before I left, I was like, before I leave this town, I'm going to make some demos of my own songs. And I had been teaching myself piano and teaching myself drums and teaching myself to sing. Wow. Great. And you know, all that stuff. Because I couldn't find people to play with. I felt like San Francisco, while there was a really strong community, there was this sense of sort of apathetic. People didn't really push that hard. And I always had this, um, this sort of thing about time like the time is really valuable and that you shouldn't waste it because we don't know what's going to happen with the world and in front of us and behind us and you know you gotta if you really want people take time after it they take it for granted they do and i think part of that yeah i I totally agree with you dana Mm -hmm. i think part of it is the fear of what the reality is that you only got so much time that's right so we're kind of in a denial yeah Oh, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, we're kind of in a denial. Yeah. And and like you experienced very young, losing somebody who was like really important. That happened to me first with Cliff. And then I actually had um, a stepsister who was like a sister who I was born and you know, raised with basically since age two. And she was killed in a car accident when I was a teenager. And that really changed my perception of time and uh you know, importance of like going after your dreams and, you know, making, making the time count. And I got really serious and that's, that was a big part of me starting to be like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And so I moved to New York city. I am going to be earnest, right? Make it count. I love it. I love it. I want to play this from you. Uh, You you sent me Botanica so far Mm -hmm. from childhood.
Yeah. 
show that chunk of music so far from childhood start off but Botanica, then Nadja uh, we had uh, Aiden Baker another Andrea Belfi uh, connect a few episodes ago uh, this cuts, show was great cut, cuts on <laughs> your hands oh you listen yeah yeah very interesting cat uh, Canadian right but a fellow Berliner like you now yeah he's a friend okay uh, head boggle after that this this cat's in the city uh, Jay <laughs> these titles J minus E2 plus Y, Y minus H2. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then finally, Bertrand Bergalot? Bertrand Bergalot. Okay, French. maybe a German guy, yeah. right? Ripples. And, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, so you're in New York City, and uh, or, or right before that, you got all prepared by learning all these other things, and you made demos. Then you, you, you yep. go to New York City, prepared yep. musically, yep. and what happens? So what happened was I was like, all right, I'm going to move to New York and I'm going to, you know, just start my new life. And I knew like two people there. Um, <laughs> and um, the first thing I was like, shit, I got to find work. This place is really expensive. So <laughs> I, I found a place that did computer and I could do some computer animation. And that was really good. Um, there was pretty active 
world for that. So that wasn't really a problem. I mean, it was a transition for sure to leave, you know, San Francisco and suddenly like working in Manhattan as a freelancer in your mid twenties. I was like, shit, but it was really tough and it was good. And musically. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start a band. So I just started meeting people here and there through friends. And I started that band B and flower. And that was, that was my first, I mean, I had a band in San Francisco called Worry Dolls that was my first band that I sang in, but we didn't really do much and we weren't together that long. But I did, you know, co-write with those guys. But Bee and Flower was really my first band that I just was, you know, I wrote all the parts and I said, like, here's the demos and I found some folks to play with. Um, and that band, Bee and Flower, actually lasted about 12 years. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. That there's something to learn from that, right? Some relationships. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're fucking great. They're sometimes they're a, a causeway or a bridge. Yeah, totally. And actually, it's funny because Andrea Belfi um, yeah. plays sometimes with one of those guitar players, uh, Lynn Wright, and that's actually how I initially met <laughs> Andrea. And Lynn was, you know, in the band from the beginning, and um, we remain. I'm friends with all those guys still. So it's funny stuff. Stuff definitely comes around, and um, so yeah. So I was doing being far, and that was tough in many ways. But I'm really proud of the records we made. Um, and very not that long after being in New York, I also met Michael Draw, and that's how I joined that band Angels of Light, which was you know his project after he killed off Swans the first time. I wanted to do more quiet. Uh, music and so that's when I kind of connected with that crew and that's also where I met Larry Mullins. Ah, um, Larry. Yeah, I, that's I where we, we were in that band. Two years together, of Stooges so. with him. I know. And, and I, I know. Yeah, he told me about we his met. Swans adventure making records with Michael and stuff. And actually, they got back together a year or two ago to make another one. Yeah. I play on that. That's that Swans track I gave you for the, the okay. some new things okay. I'm playing based on. But that song. Michael also had something called Skin, right? That was kind of calmer. Mm-hmm. World of Skin with That's him and Jarbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My memory again. Yeah, no. it's hey, like I'm always hearing new bands, <laughs> hearing new songs. <laughs> yeah. Ah, so okay, so all these connects. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so so with Michael, you actually joined the Swans at that time. <laughs> Back then, so I was in Angels of Light for like ah, four that's years. that's it, that's it, Angels of Light. Mm-hmm. And Angels of Light was, you know, it changed over time. But I was, I joined for the first tour, I guess. So the, an album had been made, which I was not on. And then I guess, yeah, for the touring cycle for the first Angels album. And that was me and Michael Draw and Larry Mullins and Cassis Stout and Thor Harris. Thor Harris, uh, Austin, great yeah, drummer. What well, kind of percussion, God. right? In those days, with uh, I think that unity was kind of percussion. Is Larry worked the trap set, right? Larry at that time was playing. Um, he was playing like a snare drum and a ride cymbal and well, maybe kind a of a tom, <laughs> and he had a vibraphone. Um, and then Christoph Hahn was in there also. I don't think he Christoph Hahn was on the first tour we did, but very shortly after he lives in Berlin too. Um, so yeah, and I, I played with them for a few years, and then after that, I mean, if you really want to do a big jump, um, Bee and Flower kind of 
disassembled in its current form in 2004 and myself and the piano player Rob Miller from Bee and Flower and Larry Mullins all moved to Berlin in 2004. Yeah, I remember Larry telling me about that. Mm -hmm. Larry produced the Bee and Flower record that came after that, that was made in Berlin. Okay, because I was going to ask about Berlin. We're at the end of the second hour, July 9, 2021. Special guest, Dana Schechter. Hold tight for our three. July 9, 2021. It's the third hour of the Lot from Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with uh, Nah and, and the tune Rat. Easy to get him backwards. Be, well, an idiot like what? But that's correct. A live excerpt from gig at Scotia Bank Arena on September 27, 2019. This is Andrea Belfi. Uh, I, I met through El Sonio de Mayanayo. He's the original drummer. And, uh, oh. But then he's also connected with you and Larry Muller. Oh, God. Well, so many uh, Auslanders in Berlin, right? Musicians, artists. Quite a, quite oh, a connection yeah. place. Okay. In Vuce, after that, with La Sombra out of the Netherlands, but the Chile connect. Up to No Good, Sophie Du Palais. That's Netherlands, too. A brand new record. And finally, Gift Horse, right? Way back from the city and stuff. On Rush. Watt would have had it together. That would have been up, up there before Bee and Flower, people. Sorry. But maybe it's, it's good all like random, mixed out like this. Uh, okay, okay. So in Berlin, like we had Julia Reedy on, I think, last episode, right? And she said it was really econo to move there then. Because the East just... Well, you, you went there about... Yeah, maybe it still was. Uh, when I first went, it yeah, was. Okay. It's not now, though. Oh, no, no, I hear. I hear. I hear. I, in fact, you got to go more east, right inside the city, to find more and more Econo. It ain't Kreuzberg and Neukölln no. or stuff like that. Yeah, I heard it's some Chinquando now. Ain't that the way humans like doing? Like the city was like that, right? We talked about Manhattan, expensive crime, crime. Yeah. But uh, okay, you must have done a Dana Schechter band, right? Because even though there there's one bee and honey, do you make a band with him? Well, bee and bee and flower was bee and like, flower. I'm sorry. Flower. No, no, it's not. I forgot the name. <laughs> Come on, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I realize it's you know, there's it's a lot of details. Um, so bee and flower, you know, like I, I, people did write their own parts as we had the band for longer, but you know, it was sort of my my trying to realize this idea that I had had, you know being a young young and in San Francisco being like, can I write songs with melodies and can I sing? Like singing was really hard for me. And so that was my my interest was seeing like, can I write weird chord progressions and put interesting melodies over them? That was, you know, my well, idea. Can, can I ask you this? Do sure. you ever do you ever compose on the bass? Oh Because yeah. that's my main thing. But but you taught yourself piano and stuff, so you probably use those things too. I use everything. Yeah, I mean, okay. it just depends. Like, if sometimes I'll just be sitting there and I'll get this idea and a kind of little melody or like a rhythm or a riff or just like a beat or just a thud or I don't know. It's just and depending on what is available to me at the moment that that happens. Um, I'll start with that and then I'll just build on it because now, you know, my main instrumentation that I really play is bass and lap steel. And so. Um, How'd the lap steel happen? Well, the laugh still happens. Do you know uh, uh, Fred Kilboot? Fred, uh, the Berliner lap steel guy. Uh, Fred, I'm mispronouncing his last name like an idiot. He's been on the show a few times. Oh, shit. Well, I'll follow up with you on that. How'd you get into it? So, okay. So, to just kind of like we can quickly dip back to history. So, I was living in Berlin for four years, 2004 to 2008, doing Bee and Flower there. I decided at one point, you know what, I think I need to move back to the States. So I went back to New York City and kind of restarted being flower, 
this was 2008, um, did some tours with other bands, you know, like American Music Club and that band Botanica and oh, different Mark. bands. And then they started. Mark gets a great voice. Yeah, it's the best. Um, and that is 2011. I got this idea to, to really start a solo thing where I was like, it's going to be so solo that it's going to be just me. And part of this was a decision to make simplify my life to try to not, you know, get bogged down by things like scheduling and, you know, it's complicated. My you wanted more is, focus, less diluted. Well, I wanted, yeah, I mean, I basically had then effectively a band be in flower over two continents and it was really complicated and people's, you know, interest and availability was shifting and they weren't always around. And, you know, I was like, man, I'm being held up here. Like time is running out, like not running out, but I come on, let's make the most of it. So I was like, I'll just start something just by myself. So I started Insect Arc and that's when I picked up the lap steel and oh, you know okay. so and so with that band like i switch instruments live you know, it's trippy you know the show's coming towards the end here and we're making a full loop because you did arco on that stand-up bass and that's all legato like the yeah. lab steel trippy, yeah. yeah exactly Try so it. insect dark has been going now for like nine years and that's really my main thing and in a lot of ways it's been one of the most satisfying um projects for me because it's just totally i feel like kind of genreless and um, i get to, to do that. whatever i want <laughs> yeah that's right let the freak flag fly let's listen exactly
Last music for this edition. My True Body, Angels of Light. People, you heard the story on that. That's her, her helping Michael. And then Julia Reedy, who was on last episode, because she gave me so much I couldn't fit it all in. So here's Crystal Bones. <laughs> and then uh, she's got long pieces, right? And then uh, Insect Art, your, your current prods, your, uh, uh, your endeavor in the yeah. nest. And uh, are you still making demos? Um, I do still make demos. I mean, I make demos whenever I uh, when I record, you know, with other people. I mean, I work with drummers now because at a certain point I just was like, I don't want to do this by myself. So I've had a couple drummers in the band. And um, but I, I oftentimes actually write drum parts, at least just to help me write the the songs, then I'll be like, all right, you can probably come up with something better than, than my part or not, you know, we kind of work through it. But um, I do really elaborate demos because I consider the demos part of the composition process because I'm not, I don't consider myself a guitarist and lap steel being an open tuned instrument, you know, I'm, I'm exploring stuff with it as I'm demoing. So I, you know, the, the thing kind of builds itself. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So and the thing actually develops as you put those sounds together. It's not like, oh, totally. I, gotta, <clears throat> I, I know what it's going to be and I got to figure out everybody's parts. Like, whoa, this thing is developing because I'm, I'm sound on sound, right? Layering it up. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I have a really complicated live setup so that I can, you know, stack stuff and it doesn't drift. I have these kind of fancy looper pedals that allow me to... Um, really build up like this wall of sound with just myself and you know i got yeah, some solo stuff coming up so you, yeah well, you float me a fun. picture where like you got your bass slung on your side and you're working the fucking slide yeah yeah that's interesting it's you know like you you're really working both of them i mean not at the same time but you know in there and uh interesting like that and then you got nobody to blame except yourself <laughs> <laughs> hey where can people find you on the internet dana well, um, th I think the main thing to point out is, that, you know, that people sometimes confuse the word ark with like the Noah's ark, um, but, which is fine, but it is the same spelling. But sometimes people spell it with a C, like as in like, a, you know, a half bend, but it is A-R-K. Um, so if they find an insect ark, I-N-S-E-C-T-A-R-K dot com that's a pretty good place to start or you know also whatever facebook and Instagram, yeah, all crap the corporate ones probably yeah. have connects on your personal one right it's like having your own fanzine yeah i, I do maintain like a pretty you know simple but informative I, i'm kinda. so grateful for that okay. because you know just think if you've invested all your sound stuff into my my waste of space place and that place you know turned into a desert so right the people personal websites please like Going to Kinko's and printing up your own fancy, and so totally. Uh, what, what's up next? An Insect Dark album? Um, yep, I got two albums um, being written right now. One is actually going to be all me, just actually mostly synthesizer stuff, no drums, maybe no, not even any bass, and then a, uh, a band sort of album, you know, with drums and you know more of this sort of along the lines to the songs that you know. Are you going like to release them simultaneous? I'm not sure yet. Okay. They're not done writing yet, so, you know. Yeah, right, it's I mean, development. But well, when you do get them done, either both or one or the other, will you come back on the show? We can play it and talk about 
Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Bitch. Yeah. Right. And I got a release coming up that I can't quite announce yet, but I got something no, coming like out. Like Mr. Months. Orson Welles said, no wine before it's time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm working. I'm working really hard. I tried to be really, you know, productive during the lockdown and, um, you know, it's thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for coming on and, and, and sharing your story of your journey through music. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to chat with you. And um, I would love to come back. Big grazie to Fratello Andrea Belfi for the connect. Absolutely. Right. People, it's been the July 9, 2021 edition of the Wap Pedro. So keep your powder dry. <laughs>